0: Welcome in to another edition of the Q and A: Questions and Alcohol, and and on this episode we're going to be on Kentucky. Although in a way it's kind of uh, uh, from Kentucky to to a different place, uh, it still has its roots in Kentucky. We're here joined by Seth Benheim, founder of Broken Barrel Whiskey. Seth, welcome in.
1: Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
0: Well, I, I appreciate you, uh, you know, hopping on here and, and chatting with us and. When I say it's it's an interesting thing that we go beyond Kentucky because you're out in the West Coast, but technically what what goes in your your product comes from Kentucky. And we'll we'll touch on that here in a little bit, right?
1: Definitely, yeah. I am here in uh, Los Angeles this morning, so uh, you can see behind me. I got all the all the barrels, so we definitely have some stuff going on here in uh, in LA as well. But we'll get into that, I'm sure.
0: Now, you know, for, for those that may not know who, who you are, or how you got started, um, you know, or how you got into this crazy game that is the alcohol world, can you tell us a, a little bit about, you know, just you and, and uh, kind of what, what you've done all your life?
1: Uh, this has pretty much been <laughs> since college, right? So I, uh, 24, started <laughs> Infused Spirits, and we were a vodka company. We had a really cool, still to this day, unique idea to put fruit in the bottle uh, and have that be the flavoring and the kind of the visual aesthetic of the vodka. So we do infuse spirits, vodka. Um, we still make that today. Uh, we've been doing that for, whew, um, what is it? Nine years, nine, going on 10 years now. Uh, and then we have our, our bourbon, you know, our, our whiskey line, uh, broken barrel whiskey, which started, uh, it, it trickled out in 2017 it took some shape and some form in 2018 and uh, it got its name Broken Barrel officially in 2019 and then kind of moved moved home to Kentucky in 2020. Got an entire brand refresh in 2021 uh, which gave it the cool look and feel, labels, the, the new glass bottles, the new logos. That all happened in 2021. So here we are in early 2022 and we've got all kinds of crazy whiskey coming out. Um, you know, m- every month we got something crazy coming out, uh, whether it's a barrel pick or something we've had in, in our inventory that we finally felt was ready to release or, you know, something like that. So it's a lot of cool stuff. A lot of cool stuff happening over here for sure.
0: Well, I, I love, too, that you kind of have taken a, a different approach because I, I feel like... You know, everyone can kind of just go to mgP or wherever buy it put it put their label on it and so forth maybe age it in a different barrel for a little bit but you guys kind of take a different approach but before I even get to that you I mean you t- talked about the the approach with vodka and and the infused spirits that you launched there how how did you guys come about with, with that before I even get into the, the whiskey because I feel like that was almost a, a way you started then you took that idea and kind of flipped it for the whiskey world
1: uh yeah well we when we started, I had locked up a bunch of domain names like Infuse Gin, Infuse Rum, Infuse Tequila, Infuse Vodka, Infuse Whiskey, Infuse Bourbon. I, I bought them all up um, in the early days. I still have them today, actually. And so we had this concept that we were going to put all these ingredients and all these different alcohols, and you know, create you know this brand expansion that ends up on every aisle of every store shelf and you would have the fruit floating in the bottle. But when we got to whiskey right after vodka, which seemed like the next logical uh, progression to do some infused whiskeys, we thought we'd infuse them with oak, but we quickly realized we didn't want to have anything floating in the bottle. I know there are brands that actually have gone and done that now, um, but I never wanted to get that phone call that, you know, there's a splinter in someone's throat or something. So, you know, um, it didn't really... It didn't really something about it didn't feel right, so we ended up doing the oak uh, staves in tanks. So we take aged bourbon, aged rye whiskey from a barrel, and you know to be bourbon has to be uh, new charred oak and 51% corn and all that fun stuff. So we take bourbon, we dump it out, and then we would put broken barrel staves into it. Um, and this differed from the vodka because the vodka is single bar- single bottle infusion. So you have these vodkas with fruit floating down, like around in the individual bottle, and that's how it comes on the shelf when you buy it in a grocery store or a liquor store. So it's very different uh, approach when we got over to whiskey to do it in a tank rather than a bottle.
0: And and I was going to say, you know, when did you decide that it was the the right time to to go into the into the whiskey game because. You know, it it seems like there's a there's a lot of folks that have come that way now. But I mean, you know, to go from vodkas to whiskeys, I mean, uh, what what made you go, Okay, now's the time I want to want to do this and and try something unique with it?
1: Well, we just tested it out. I mean, we we sent a, a picture of the concept bottle to our distributors and they all said, oh, we'll take 50 cases or we'll take 100 cases. And I said, oh, there's some real interest in this. You know, if we had sent that picture out and people had said, oh, we're not interested in that. Um, And when we were looking at our vodka volumes for those markets, those different states. And at the time, I think we were in 17 or 18 states. Now we're in 40. But at the time, we were just in a few. Um, You know, we were selling maybe 100 cases a month or something in those markets, some of those peripheral markets. And then to see them ask for such large quantities of a single skew, because it was just bourbon, it really, a light bulb went off, like, hey, they really want this whiskey? Uh, And they haven't even tried it. They don't even know what it tastes like. I mean, they just knew the quality of what we were doing in the vodka space and the uniqueness and the originality of it and the flavor profiles that we were able to create with our vodka. So there was a lot of faith from the distribution side. Um, And there were way less whiskey options then than there are now. You know, I think today if we were to send a picture of their whiskey, they'd be like, oh, not another whiskey. Um, But we've been there for five (laughs) years. So we certainly, we weren't the first, but we certainly aren't going to be the last either. And we try to, we try to offer something innovative for the time. There were not a lot of stave finishes in 2016 and 17. So when we were developing this idea, you know, there were some barrel finishes, but there wasn't barrel finishing for American whiskey was not nearly as prolific certainly none of the major uh, bourbon producers, you know, you, you'd be hard pressed to find a bourbon finish in anything. And I don't even think people thought they could finish bourbon. And a lot of people still to this day don't recognize or realize that finished bourbon, especially stave finished bourbon actually gets classified under something other than uh, bourbon. It gets class, you know, it's like, it's almost classified as flavored whiskey in the eyes of the TTB. They, they don't allow you because it's just purity to bourbon right bourbon super pure and it's not supposed to be adulterated with any additives or flavors or coloring or those things so when you start finishing these bourbons um especially with staves from multiple barrels it's considered a flavor of sorts you know we don't add any flavoring or artificial anything all we do is dump the bourbon or the rye whiskey into a tank and we take broken barrel staves which you know go check out our instagram we're smashing barrels up with sledgehammers. It's kind of fun uh, to watch and to see. And then we we show you guys step by step how we do this um, here in L.A. and Kentucky, uh, where we put those staves fully submerged, like a like a French dip sandwich. We just put it right in there, you know, fully submerged into the whiskey. And uh, what happens is kind of magical. You have this this um, interaction with the front of the staves, the back of the staves. You have all this oak surface area in contact with the whiskey which you know has a it certainly darkens the whiskey up it unloads a lot of flavor really quickly Um, there's no science or technology from us involved in this there's no uh, pressure washing or artificial heating or anything like that Um, you know we just kind of taste the whiskey as it goes and as it ages and we say okay this tastes right and that's when we start to consider bottling a, a batch or a private release or something like that.
0: Well, and, and too, I, I love just, you know, getting to try those. That they were, they were very impressive, and it's, it's kind of neat and to, to, to see what you guys have been able to do and the flavors you've, you've been able to pull out. But before I even get into that, was it as simple as Breaking Barrels that you got the name, or was there a little more behind it in the, in the Broken Barrel name? <laughs>
1: Uh, there's, (laughs) I was, this is 2017, I think it was 2016. Um, we were kind of mulling around with the idea of whiskey and, you know, from idea to coming out was probably nine months or 12 months or something. So I think it was April of 17, um, I'm, my wife and I are both Jewish. So I was sitting at a Passover uh, Seder, which is like a, a dinner for those who are like, what the hell is that? Uh, we're sitting at a Passover Seder. And I knew at this point, like, it meant a lot to my wife. We were at her family friend's house. I could not pull my phone out, but, this like, lightning bolt hit me. I'm like, broken barrel because we're breaking the barrels and we're going to put them in the whiskey. So I had to grab them. I'm like, I had to ask my wife for a pen or pencil. Like I, I knew she had one of her purse. She's like, why? Why do you need that right now? I'm like, I need it right now. I need it right now because I'm going to forget. So I had to write it down. So I, I took it. I wrote it on a napkin. I shoved it in my pocket. And somewhere in my desk, I have this napkin that says broken barrel whiskey. Or broken barrel bourbon, actually, um, was the concept. Uh, But what's funny is we we launched the first whiskey under the Infused Spirits um, label. So if you look at – there's plenty of it still out there, I think, on people's Instagrams. And it's funny. We still see people posting pictures today in 2022 of a bottle that was released two, three, four, five years ago. Um, And it's – I have such a crazy collection of whiskey that I'll pull a bottle out that people will probably look at and go, man, that's a seven-year-old edition of that bottle. So we had the Infused Spirits Broken Barrel Bourbon. That was the first one. Um, and the name just kind of – I love the alliteration. Like we wanted to do our California oak. Originally it was going to be the Cabernet Cask or the Central Coast Cabernet Cask or the California – like we do a lot of like these CCCCC or BBB or, you know, Broken Barrel Bourbon. Like, you know, we love that kind of stuff. We just have fun with it. It's somewhat memorable in a way too.
0: Well, I, I love it, and sometimes it's just how how things come to come to you. And you know, you talk about you know sharing everything on, on kind of your social media and how it works. But I mean, like you said, you guys literally break down the the, the barrels into you know the the staves that that they kind of are made up of, and then you put them in. So can you explain how that kind of works cuz and and you obviously have what I think is really cool you have the Mash Bill and then an Oak Bill for those that are watching you can see yeah. on my screen it says Oak Bill as well. So can you talk a little bit about that as well?
1: Yeah, so where Broken Barrel really started to take a life of its own and there was a profound conversation I had with a business partner and a potential investment banker We were talking to them about, you know, raising money for the company in 2000 and I went to 2019 and this guy's looking at us. We're having drinks uh, up in Portland, Oregon, and we went out to meet this guy and he goes, you guys are doing this wrong. You've got two companies here. You've got two brands. This is not infused spirits whiskey. This is this broken barrel. First of all, it's a great name. That should be the name. And we're like, yeah, I can see that. That makes sense maybe change the name on a label or something. He's like, no, no, no. You've got two brands. You've got this single bottle infusion vodka bitters line. That's fantastic. And then you've got this broken barrel burden thing and there's this magic to it. It, it doesn't, like, you're not a distillery. You're not a, you're not distilling your vodka. You're not distilling your whiskey. You're a process based company. And we knew that from the get go. Like we're not, running around going we're from here We're this this is where our roots are this is where our family's from it's none of that we're mad scientists we're innovators we're modern i'm 33 at at the time of this podcast i'm not some guy with a lineage my dad's a doctor my parents don't drink alcohol so there's none of this is like running through my blood from my family i'm first generation getting into the spirits business now i hope my kids uh maybe take an interest in this and it can can be a part of the family business one day. But this is, this is fresh. Um, this is a first generation thing for, for me and for my family. So we're coming at this and we had this conversation with this guy and so you got these two brands. So we, we very quickly realized like we had, there's a value to not being com- complicit or reliant on your own stocks. Like I could take, Tennessee whiskey, California whiskey, uh, Indiana whiskey, Kentucky whiskey, if I needed to and break barrels and put it into that whiskey and it would be ours. It would have what we, we ended up terming the Oak bill. And so this, the, not only the ability to do whatever we wanted with whiskey from wherever we wanted and ver- and vary it bottle to bottle, batch to batch by the types of broken barrels we were using, but then also to um, have that kind of infinite availability, whatever we could get our hands on and afford and buy, that's what we could put out. So there's no ceiling, really, truthfully, to what we um, can create or come out with, which is an investable sort of uh, proposition, because you know, you know, usually it's your your inventory times x amount of dollars, right? Uh, and then we have this concept, and then if we could figure out a name and a, and a thing for it, a trademark, then you have this ability to really earmark stave finishing in a way that is so understandable. And, you know, I love – Maker's Mark is probably the first uh, real stave finish. You know, the 46 stave that – it's from um, ISC. They do the, the toasted barrel staves, and you know, they're, they're finishing staves. They're not actually from a used barrel. They're new barrels Toasted in a certain way different kinds of oak different sort of treatments and and seasoning and those things that they Have a variety and if you've ever seen like the maker's mark They have the oh we use X amount of this staves, X amount of that staves, and they count the staves or whatever And they put them in the barrel very different than what we do where we take used barrels that you know from Scotland from uh, Portugal from Japan from Canada from Mexico um I've got, I've got, I've got barrels uh, just over there that are from Mexico, you know, Mexican wine barrels. So we're trying to do, you know, these different terroirs of where these oak uh, barrels have spent time, the types of alcohols that were in them before, uh, Canadian maple barrels, you know, things like that. It starts to get really interesting, and it, it goes a little bit further than beyond I think what Maker's Mark has ever done, and then you have these uh, these complicated names makers marked out, like RC6 or PR5. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, what the hell does that all mean? And you can look it up and, but I think the everyday consumer, which may not be the audience for that, uh, it's just gonna look at that and go, I don't sure I get what the hell this all means. We try to simplify it. So people like the mash bill, they want to know what the, intermediate to advanced whiskey drinkers want to know what's in the mash bill. They, they feel that it makes a tremendous amount of difference. Um, and in a lot of cases, it does, it certainly does. There's a lot of science behind that. I'm not trying to diminish mash bill at all. In fact, we think it's important. That's how we put it on the label. Complementary to that, these broken barrel stave ratios, similar to the grain ratios, are as if not more important. And, and we prove this time and time again by taking the same whiskey and putting different stave combinations. Letting customers and consumers and buyers and, and partners and people and reviewers like yourself taste this stuff and go, man, uh, that is incredible. Why is this one so different than that one? It's the exact same whiskey in the exact same place. It's batched. It's not even single barrel. So it's not some kind of barrel variance from the barrel A and barrel B. It is the oak bill. And so we coined this term, trademarked this term, oak bill. Because it literally goes hand in hand with the mash bill. It's exactly, you know, the two are one and the same in that they are these compositions of what is making this whiskey this way. So we find the oak bill to be a really easy, understandable, digestible way to process um, what we're doing conceptually. So we give you the ratio of, you know, 40% French oak versus 40% ex-bourbon barrel versus 20% sherry cast. And that gives people kind of concept of, okay, I get a little bit of fruit in here. Is that probably from the sherry? I get a little bit of that vanilla, probably from the French shop. I get a little bit of that toasted nuttiness going on or that sweet candy corn flavor. You know, that these notes that you kind of start to pull out, like you were saying before, Jonathan, um, those notes are fully attributable. Uh, we've kind of proven this, not scientifically through like, you know, chemical analysis, but just through taking the same whiskey and doing Oakville one, Oakville two, Oakville three, and then you taste them and you go, man, these couldn't be more dissimilar, but the whiskey is exactly the same. So that's where the Oakville kind of has that magical touch.
0: Well, and, and like you said, it, it is an important part of, of what you guys do, and it's a cool part of what you do, and I, I really enjoyed even just seeing it on, on the samples that I, I got, and you can see such a difference in, in what each one was, and we'll, we'll talk about your expressions that you have here in a second, but you guys are working with Green River Distilling out in Owensboro, Kentucky. Yeah. Um, what, how did that partnership come about, and what's that been like for you guys?
1: We We started buying their whiskey in 2017 when we launched, and at the time they had only been out, since they don't even distilling since 2016 so their whiskey the first batch of whiskey we put out was nine months old and you know we did a lot with a little you know young whiskey we, we try to really impart a lot of flavor and a lot of character into it with uh it being very very young whiskey and look we're not the first uh this uh, I, I can't we have a distilling license so i'll say distillery but we really don't distill any whiskey, so it's kind of disingenuous on the whiskey front. I say we're, we're really the – we're not the first craft spirits company to put out a, a 6, 9, 12, 18-month-old whiskey, uh, which is kind of what you would get from us circa 2017 and 18 when really – I mean they really didn't have two-year-old whiskey till late 18. And we were putting out whiskey 17, early 18, early late 18, early 19 – We had these batches of bourbon and rye coming out, and they were young, really young. Then we took a little bit of whiskey from MGP and tested our hand with that. Older whiskey, you know, we had some 12-year and some 5-year, 4-year in the blend. We used some really young single malt whiskey and some really young wheat whiskey, which we bought a lot of at the time, and we're still slowly releasing. Some of that stuff is hitting 4-year now. Um, and we did release uh, a wheat whiskey out of LA called the Reckoner. We're releasing some of the malt whiskey uh, under a name called the Fenwalker. Um, and so, if you look on online, you'll see some of those coming out now. You know, April twenty twenty two. But yeah, no, it's uh, it's been a journey with Green River, uh, getting older whiskey and changing, you know, adding new products. We have our Reserve Oak series with them, which is all. Uh, two two to three year old bourbons um, finished in wild casks, like port, stout, uh, rum finish, uh, peach brandy cask finish. So, a lot of really fun, exciting uh, products in the in the kind of the core lineup that we've done with Green River over the last, you know, four and a half years.
0: Well, uh, like I said, what, what I was able to try, and I, I got to try four different ones, one being the the rye, um, the hearsay rye, which um, I, I think might have kind of been the star for me. But even the California oak was really unique. And to see how different um, you know, that oak bill does to, <laughs> to to the whiskey was pretty impressive because it came out much sweeter. And like you guys say, it's kind of maybe the, the wine drinker's bourbon. And then just the yeah. small batch and the cast strength were both just very solid as well. So can you talk a bit about th- those releases and how they're similar, but but also different at the same time?
1: Yeah, the first, the first is our small batch, 95 proof. Um, all three of our bourbons that you tried, that's the cast strength, the uh, regular 95 proof, and then the sort of entry-level wine finish, which is the California oak, which has that purple label. Um, they're all 70% corn, 21% rye, 9% malted barley. They're all locally sourced grains from uh, near and around Owensboro, Kentucky, which is a little further west than Louisville, um, and kind of like due north of Nashville. You can, I, I've flown into Nashville and Louisville to get to Owensboro. Uh, very challenging to fly directly to Owensboro, but, but it can't be done. I've picked up employees <laughs> yes. of mine. I picked up employees of mine at the airport, in Owensboro, which is it's very small, um, but it's a great little it's a great little town, uh, and everyone there is you know, super friendly. Great barbecue! It's original. It's the barbecue capital of Kentucky. At least that's what a sign on the the door of my hotel said. Um, I've had great Kentucky all sorry, great barbecue all over the state of Kentucky. So I can't really say one place is better than another. It's all pretty good to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the, the small batch 95 proof that you tried is, uh, is finished with ex bourbon, uh, uh, French oak and, uh, sherry cask. Then you have the California oak, which is kind of like the younger brother there. This is, as you said, the wine drinkers bourbon. It is 80% central coast Cabernet at a Paso. We get uh, red wine Cabernet barrels. Um, and we send those out to Kentucky where they're broken and then, placed into the same exact bourbon, you're trying on the 95 proof. So, you know, there you're you're toggling these levers, you're toggling all wine, no sherry, you know, French oak, no ex bourbon, you know, 95 proof, 88 proof. So you're just basically taking the same whiskey and you're, you're tweaking elements and components of sort of the finish, but it all started the same, same entry proof same distillery same warehouses same uh time in the barrel before it left so you have all of those components exactly the same until it comes to us broken barrel and what kind of barrels you're adding water to bring it to a a, a certain desired proof with that profile and so we liked we felt like you got more wine notes um at the 88 proof you could really pick up on the subtleties uh that wine finish, that Cabernet, so you have those dark fruits, you have that sweet profile. Very it's dangerously drinkable. Um, it kind of goes down easy on the California oak. I'd say the small batch has a lot more bite to it. Um, it. really lets you know it's there. It grips the tongue a little bit more and has a little bit more of that sort of – it has like some more baking notes to it. Uh, I think that the increase of the French oak, which is mm-hmm. double the amount of French oak from California oak, Um, the ex bourbon gives you a lot more caramel, a lot more vanilla flavor. Uh, the sherry cast brings in kind of that finishing sweetness. It really contributes in my opinion, more towards the finish than the front end for the sherry and, and the nose as well, the profile, but there's also this candy corn like sweetness that I love in the small batch. It's kind of there on the cast strength, but dominated by some other flavors. And then you have that sort of, um, that. I like this birthday cake batter or that cake battery sort of sweetness too. Um, if you ever have like, you know, the cake batter, ice creams and whatnot, there's that really great flavor in both the small batch and the cast strength bourbons. And as you said it the heresy rye is, you know, it's that, it's that monster workhorse whiskey. It it's 105 proof, great rye spice. It is a 95, five Kentucky straight rye whiskey. So it is not from MGP, uh, which is which is unique. I mean, you get a lot of ninety-five fives, mm-hmm. and I would say ninety-five percent of those are from MGP. So to have a ninety-five five yeah. made at a different site by a different person with different grain sources, uh, it is you know Owensboro is a little bit like three and a half hours or so from Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Um, so you're not you're not getting the same. White uh inputs or even the same environmental or external kind of temperatures and those things, a little different, right? Um, it just is a little different. Not wildly different, like California versus Kentucky, but certainly different. So we've got some of that 95.5 here in our warehouse in LA aging. Uh, we've got it in 15-gallon barrels that we're fucking around with. And am I allowed to cuss on here?
0: Sorry. <laughs> I'm just yep. throwing out bombs. <laughs> we talk um, about alcohol, so yeah. I mean, you got to be yeah. Unaged, so you're twenty-one,
1: good. twenty-one. Yeah, sorry. So, um, yeah, we got some some little mini barrels. Some um, so you know I can probably. I, can I turn the camera around on here? I don't know if I can. I think so. I don't, it's. I don't think it lets me. But we'll find out. Well, it's not. <laughs> Yeah, not, I think okay. right right, in front of me, I've got a stack of, we've got four 15-gallon rye barrels. I've got some 53-gallon new charred oak. So we actually have some re here for some whiskeys. We wanted to do a little older um, options for some single-barrel picks. So we brought some of the 95.5 uh, Owensboro, Kentucky rye here to L.A. to mess around with. Just number one, temperature, we're, we're only 15 miles from the ocean, so... You know, very different uh, climate, number one, than Kentucky. We expect to see our ABVs go up a little bit, actually, here. So we may see some of that 105 jump to 110, 115 even, um, depending on how long we leave it here. And then, yeah, I mean, the Heresy Rye is, like you said, I think it is my favorite. (laughs) It might be. It may just be. Um, I like that proof right between 100 and 110. Um, it's great for cocktails. If you're going to make one, it's affordable for cocktails. Um, it's, you know, a lot of these, most of these whiskeys sit around 32 to 36 bucks. So they're not bank breakers by any means. They're very, very attainable, affordable, available. Um, that's the idea. This is not about making these you know, I'm not trying to break secondary markets or do any of that kind of crap. We just want to make great, great whiskey that people can get, you know, get behind this brand I'm like, this is my brand. Like this is these are my people. These are like guys that and gals that want to make great whiskey and put it out in a cool bottle with a cool concept. And just be a little different. Like we want to walk through our own path. We don't want to just do what everyone else is doing. And I think that's why you get a lot of funky things out of our our brand you know you get a lot of these kind of wildly creative confusing things that you're like what the hell is you know this american whiskey with the saturn cask finish or you know this barbadian rum on a seven year or the you know um the isla cask you know we get a lot of scotch casts from people we know and we've done you know ardbeg and lafroyd finishes and on American whiskeys, we've blended malt whiskey with wheat whiskey. We've got cognac finished wheat whiskey. Um, we got a lot of crazy stuff in in the out in the world and in the pipeline as well.
0: Well, I I also feel like too when you're kind of your your own you know small uh, operation, you don't have to work your way up and ask for for permission to do things. You go, hey, <laughs> we're doing <laughs> no. this, and let's see what happens and 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 you know to me that's where a lot of the creativity comes with the smaller brands and and I really like I said I love what you guys are doing cuz that rye is wonderful. I think that was my favorite and the California oak surprised me cuz as it kind of cuz I usually put ice in mine and by the end when the ice kind of had melted it had come almost to a whole new flavor and even more of those fruits came fr- fruit forward type flavors came out for me. Sure. I really enjoyed enjoyed that as well and and both of the other ones are, are very solid and not 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 disparaging them in, in the least. But those two uh, stood out to me. And you know, you talk about the the affordability, which I love, because anymore it seems like you know the price isn't coming down; it's getting <laughs> getting exponentially more for basically the same. And I love that um, that what you guys are doing is you know good price point and a great product. And where where can folks find uh, Broken Barrel these days?
1: Uh, certainly, uh, being in California, we have a lot of retailers here that ship to most States. I know Kentucky has some e-commerce now going and you can certainly find it. I mean, I don't know where the listeners are predominantly, but you know, we're, we're out there in total wine. We're in there here in California. We're in our California Oak, as you just mentioned, is in Albertsons Vons pavilions. Um, we're with Bevmo. California we've got our rye whiskey we've got some really cool uh, reserve oak whiskeys we've got we have great online partners like flaviar.com and uh, uh, we have um, you know uh, oak.net and there's there's so many i mean it's hard to keep track of them all and and honestly every time i type in broken barrel on google i'm finding new you know caskers.com is a great one uh, if you ever shop at caskers we're gonna have some products going out to um, sharedpoor.com and uh, so many. I mean, if you Google it, you'll, I'm sure your uh, your your Wi-Fi service or whatnot will, will figure out where you are and which one's closest to you and, and all that good stuff. But um, unfortunately, we do not have a store finder for our whiskey. Only our vodka. Um, we never we weren't able to set that up exactly. So. We're working on it. We'll try to get that up and running. But right now, yeah, definitely use use the internet. Call stores ahead of time. Ask them what they have. Uh, if there's a specific bottle you're looking for, you can always reach out to us directly, and we will help you find what you need. That is like that is our mission, is to make sure. And we do have a few limited edition releases actually available from our own site through uh, our own you know online gift shop. So we do have a couple bottles of you know at the time of this recording, we have a couple bottles of. Uh, various things available. Broken Barrel Great shirts. Um, sometimes we have glassware. You just got whatever's there when you when you check it out is what's there. So, <laughs> oh, I think I, I think I froze there. Um, I was gonna say anyone in Southern California come visit us for a tasting uh, in downtown Los Angeles if you get a chance. We uh, we will definitely take care of you. Small groups are are welcome, of course. We have a three thousand square foot tasting room here. Um, which is way more than we need, but we have it for now. So let's use it. Let's get people out here and, you know, make an appointment Monday through Friday. We are open uh, to the public. So,
0: Well, Seth, I, I appreciate you sharing your story, your whiskey. Um, you're, you're making some good things, and, and I really appreciate the, I appreciate the
1: time. Well, thank you so much, Jonathan. I appreciate you being on the show. And good timing, because I think my AirPods are about to die. So. <laughs> It works great.